Philippians chapter 2. just want to talk to you from the beginning of that chapter for a few minutes. Philippians chapter 2. I normally wouldn't read this many scriptures, but um, maybe some of you haven't read the Bible all week, so this is good for you. I'm joking. I'm joking. Relax. But I believe it's good to read the Bible. I don't think you can get enough reading of the Bible. Amen? If are you there? Say amen. Or you can check it out on the screen. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. How many know we need some consolation sometimes in Christ? And some comfort. Hello, somebody. Of love. If it's going to be there, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, if any fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's why I drive a Honda Accord, because I just want to be more saved. Okay, all right. Only one dad joke today. Remember, I have a dad joke allowance. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let, every, let each esteem others let me try that again. Lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's not a message in this world, is it? Hey, look out for other people's things. Help them with things before you consider yours sometimes. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind is he talking about? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found, here's number one, and being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Someone said, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Everything is going to bow to the name of Jesus and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have also, whereby my beloved, as ye have also obeyed, you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation. Aren't you glad? I just set somebody free right there. You don't have to work out your spouse's salvation, your kid's salvation. You have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I know we help others, and I know we raise our kids the best we can, but you got to work on your own salvation. Turn to somebody and tell them real quick, work on your own salvation. Very good. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Who works in us? Very good. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Uh-oh. Do not complain. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Anybody know if we're in a crooked and perverse nation? Anybody? among whom ye shine as lights in the world. When you're in a crooked and perverse nation, God said, I'm going to make you shine brighter. 
In the darkness, I'll make you shine brighter. Holding forth the word of life. There's number three. Holding forth the word that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Thank you, Jesus, for the word, for the reading of the word, for hearing it. Let it build our faith. Lord God, let it be something that strengthens us today, Lord Jesus. Help flesh to leave the room and spirit to walk in and let us hear this word that is spirit and life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. What we all want to do is be seated. I don't know if you have the problem that I have. I have a very serious problem, and I want to confess it to the church. My problem is I have a really hard time not reading what's on the back of people's windows when I pull up to them at a light. Anybody have that problem? You got to read the stickers that they put on the back of their vehicle. Anybody? Some of those stickers you shouldn't be reading, but I'm just saying. I get about two words in, and if I know it's bad, I'll stop and move on to the next sticker. But this is a sticker that I saw on the back of somebody's vehicle the other day, and it just, I was pulling up to a light, and I wasn't really thinking, and there was Rescue Mom. Rescue Mom right on the vehicle there, and it says Rescue, Adopt, and Foster. Obviously, it's talking about rescuing animals. Because that's a very big thing to do, obviously. And there's a time period where people just wanted to get a new animal. And if they were going to get a pet, they had to get a rescue pet. And then they found out it's very difficult to have a rescue pet. Because there's so much trauma in this pet. And then they, t- they decided that I-, I don't know that I can be a rescue mom. Or I-, I don't know if I can be a rescue dad. But I want you to know that while I was looking at that picture, I thought of the church. Because I believe that God has designed this church to be a rescue church. Amen? I know it's not convenient for people that are struggling with things in their life. And I know it's hard for people to come out of addictions and struggles and traumas and, and, and trials. But I want you to know it's worth the cost of reaching for people that need to be rescued. Amen? Because I once needed rescue. I don't know about you, but maybe that's why we don't have enough praise in the church is because we feel like we ought to be here. I shouldn't be here, brothers and sisters. I should have been left behind a long time ago. But God reached down to me, and he came through a grave and came out the other side, and he bought my sins, and he purchased me with his blood. And I'm thankful that I'm now able to help others. I want to preach to you for a little while about a rescue church. Great moments of ministry are happening, not just because we're in this room today, but because we believe that this room and this place will be where souls are rescued. Amen? This passage of Scripture that I read to you has so many things happening in it that are so powerful, this revelation of the name of Jesus. And this is just a letter written by Paul to the church of Philippi. He's just telling them how much he loves them. And how much he's grateful for them keeping the faith and walking in the word and and taking this word and making it flesh, living it out. Amen. And so we find him thanking them. But this is a rescue church. Philippi is a rescue church. I don't know if you know, but they were stuck in poverty. And they just began to work together. And as they worked together, God began to bless them. And when they got blessed, they didn't just keep it to themselves, but they sent offerings to Paul on his missionary journeys. And Paul is writing back to just say thank you. Thank you for thanking me, thinking of me. Thank you for giving offerings to help me on missionary journeys to take the gospel to other places. And I believe that he was appreciative that he was a rescue and they were rescues. 
And they're willing to rescue others with the blessings that God had given them. Amen, somebody. I'm thankful that God rescued me. I'm thankful that such were some of you. Amen, that all of us are not deserving of a spot, that we didn't have a marked place in a pulpit or a marked place on an instrument or a marked place on the pew where we were always going to be there. That was there, our place, but God picked us up and scooped us out of places. The Bible even says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, I look at it as 9, 11, they were, you were once, he says, fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and effeminate and abusers of, of themselves with mankind and thieves and covetous and drunkards and all of these things. But then he says something that we get to celebrate through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the cross. He said, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified, amen. You were washed by the blood of the lamb and you were sanctified or set apart unto God to do his good works and his pleasure that he would give you the power both to will and to do what his pleasure is as the scripture we read said. And he's also saying that you've been justified just as if I'd never done those things. In other words, when you stand before God, he's not going to give a list of all your wrongdoings, but he's going to look at it as covered by the blood of the lamb. He's not going to say, well, you did this and you did that and you did this and you deserve to be forever separated from God. He's going to look at you and go, I don't see anything because all I see is the lamb's book of life. I only see the blood of Jesus Christ covering all your sins. Amen. Man, he's a God that knows how to rescue. Look at him on the cross, bleeding, shedding his life for us. I can tell you there are no hard cases to God. There are only hard cases to us. There are only hard situations to us. And I know some people ask me, Pastor, why do you preach like WrestleMania? Why do you have to yell? I feel like I'm in WrestleMania sometimes for souls. I feel like I'm reaching for somebody. I'm wrestling for the eternity of somebody. I feel excited. I'm not mad. I'm just excited that this word and this Jesus can rescue anybody. There is no hard case. There is no situation too far gone. Because he rescued me and he rescued you. I was just a boy caught in abuse, brought out by people who cared for me and said, if you just put this book in your heart, God will give you hope and joy and peace in situations others fall into and others fall prey to. You will walk over them. There is no hard case with God. Scripture tells us he knows how to rescue Psalms 34 and 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Psalms 107, 13 through 14, you can read it on the screen, I'm sure. Then they cried to, to the Lord and in their trouble. Everyone say trouble. And he saved them from their distresses. Anybody ever cried out to the Lord before? He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, Amen. He wants to specify that you came out of places so dark that you needed God to reach in and take you out and broke away their chains, amen? 
He broke away their chains, Isaiah 41 and 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the river, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I'm thankful. My praise is not just emotion. My praise is thankfulness every time that he brought me out, that he rescued me. Isaiah says it like this in 43 and 2. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. Has God ever snatched you? Has God ever snatched you up from something? His power, he, look at what he said. He, he drew me out of deep waters. He re, everybody say rescued. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. He didn't say the enemies weren't going to be powerful. He just said he's a God that knows how to rescue you from them. From my foes who were too strong for me, they, comforted, they confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out of a spacious. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Do you know that? You needed rescue, but he already delighted in you. He loved you for where you will be and who you are right now. He loved you not because of how good you are. He loved you because of how good he is. He's a rescuer, amen? 2 Samuel 22, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters, rescued me. I've already said that when I copied and pasted it twice. Way to go, Pastor. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. You probably have this memorized. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Those are Old Testament references. So maybe you want a New Testament reference. Anybody want a New Testament reference? I'll give you a New Testament reference since I got one sure. Thank you. My wife and my mom online. Thank you, Mom. Good to see you. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 2 Corinthians 1, 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Hello, somebody. His deliverance has multiplication to it. He'll do it again. On him, we have set our hope that we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from the dominion and darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he, he loves in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. And 2 Peter 2 and 9, I've got to yell it. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for, um, for punishment on the day of judgment. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, who that who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes in Jesus Christ and knows his power is sure. Amen? Noah got the powerful rescue of God. 
built a boat for the animals, Moses. God rescued Moses and the Israelites from slavery out of Egypt. There's, there's some really cool things that happen in the scriptures when God rescues. God wants you to know that you don't, he doesn't want you to get your supply from, from the world. You can, oh yes, you can. You can live your entire life and have enough insurance and make enough money if you work hard. You can do all that. Egypt will water your crops, brothers and sisters. But there's nothing like having God water what you sow. Oh, can I give you a truth from the word of God? You okay with that? Anybody want a little revelation for a minute? Can I give you something? Watch this. In Deuteronomy 11, in verse 10, it says, For the land whither thou goest to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from which ye came out of. Egypt is a type and a shadow of the world and sin and the place that you came out, darkness. Egypt is a type of that. And you came out of Egypt, the people of Israel were a shadow for us, a, a foreshadowing that we, when we come out of darkness into marvelous light through Jesus Christ, it's the same as the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And so he's saying, it's not going to be like it used to be in Egypt. Egypt would water their crops. Egypt had some of the most amazing irrigation of their day. They brought water from the Nile. They used mud thatched bricks and they would create reservoirs and then they would drag their heels and make roots and make grooves to their plants but watch what happens in the scripture he says is not the for the land for the land whither thou goest is it, uh, to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came where thou sowest thy seed and watered it with thy foot as a garden of herbs what does water with your foot mean Anybody got water coming out there? No, don't say that. We'll have to talk to the doctor. You got real sweaty socks. We're sorry. Got smelly feet. God can deliver you. We'll have a prayer service at the end. You can come forward. God will dry it up. No, what he's saying is that the water, watering it with your foot was they would drag their foot and they would create like furrows in the ground. They would plant their seed and then they would drag their foot to create a ditch back to the cisterns or back to the place where the water was from the Nile and the Nile was rich in silt and it was rich in substance and it would water that seed and the seed would grow well from the water of the Nile and what God is saying here in the scripture is I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to bring you out of Egypt but I'm not just going to bring you out of Egypt. I want you to change your entire thinking about how I provide for you. I want you to know that you're not going to be digging ditches the same way anymore. You're not going to be watering your seeds that you sow anymore from the waters of the Nile in Egypt. I'm going to be the source. I'm going to bring rain. I'm going to provide in your life. Somebody give him some praise for a minute that he is our provider. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we've known how to do this, God. We have been irrigating our lands and sowing this way all the time we've been in Egypt. Why would we change it now? And God said, because my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I can provide. But the land whither you go, verse 11, to possess it 
It is a land of hills and valleys. There's still going to be hills and valleys. You're still going to have mountaintop experiences and valleys low experiences. He says, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven and the land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. And it shall come to pass if ye hark, shall hearken diligently unto my commandment, which I command you this day to, the lo to love the Lord your God. Everybody I say we need to love the Lord and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Hear me carefully right now. Here's the good stuff that I will give you rain for your land in due season. What is he saying? For them, it was agricultural. For us, it's financial. It's health. It's blessing. It's hope. All of these things are what God will rain on our life. I will give you rain if you love God and you give him all of your heart and soul. He will make sure that you have rain in due season. The first rain and the latter rain. He's going to give you a rain for your tender seedlings and he's going to give you a rain for your harvest that thou mayest gather thy corn and thy wine and thy oil and I will send grass in the field for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you not turn aside and serve other gods and worship them and then the Lord's wrath became kindled against you and he shut up the heavens who's controlling the harvest god is controlling the harvest that there be no rain that there on the land and you and the land you'll not her fruit unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the lord giveth you now watch what he says therefore shall ye lay up thy these my words in your heart. He said, put what I'm saying in your heart to live for God only and not serve other gods and in your soul and bind them on the uh, for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes and ye shall teach them to your children speaking to them when thou sittest down in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. What's he saying? He's saying you're going to take your children. You're going to put them on your lap and they're going to say dad how do we get so blessed dad how do we have all of these things how has God been so good to us at some point you're going to sit them on your lap and say look I want to tell you about a day when we were slaves in Egypt where we were not given the promised land we didn't have blessings on all of our stuff but we started giving God our first fruits and we started giving God our blessings and he started blessing us in ways that we couldn't even understand and we couldn't make happen on our own I was actually not, not going to preach about offering, but the Lord told me, I think, to, to say this. I was in a service sitting right over, right over on that side, and I had gotten some cash out of the bank. I was planning to buy a dirt bike, and I had it in my wallet, and the offering started, and the worship was going. And I know the scripture says don't give when you're just moved by emotion, but I felt the Lord tap me on the shoulder, and he said, I want you to put everything in your wallet in the offering. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Can you tell the guy behind me that? <laughs> or the guy over there, the lady over there, tell them that. And God's like, no, I'm talking to you. I want you to empty your wallet. And I knew what I had in there for cash, and it was just so, so perfect that I happened to stop at the ATM that weekend. God just knew. So I reached in. I wasn't begrudging. I was like, okay, Lord, if you want it, I get it. And I took the cash out of my my wallet and I put it in the offering and at the end of service a guy walked up to me and he goes hey 
I heard you're from Alaska. Did you do a lot of four-wheeling and dirt biking and stuff? I said, yeah, I grew up on them. I love them. I got a broken rib to prove it. <laughs> and he's like, really? He's like, yeah. He goes, well, I've got some stuff at my house. I'm trying to clear out my, where, my, my barn, and I've got a dirt bike, and I've got two snowmobiles I could drop off your house on Monday if you want them. You have to understand that he controls the blessings. You're not digging your life out trying to get Europe, Egypt's irrigation in your seeds that you sow in life. You're letting God do the blessing, amen? You're letting God change it. And so I was like, what? God, if there is ever a time where I doubt you again, I will just give on credit. <laughs> if you touch me on the shoulder and say, put money in the offering, I'm just going to give on credit. And God tapped me on the shoulder again when a friend of mine, Nate, was here. And he said, I want you to buy him a pair of mountain pants because he runs the man up stuff that we know about, Nate Ferguson, not Nate Ferguson, um, Nate Thompson. And we were out to eat lunch and we went over to Eddie Bauer just for a few minutes because we're waiting on our table to be ready. And he's looking at these pants because he runs hundreds of men through the mountains to encourage them in the word and to do trail side teaching. And he's looking at these pants, and God says, buy him those. I'm like, Lord, those are $80. And, he sa- and the Lord says, okay, buy him two. <laughs> Don't argue with God. So we're at $120, and I'm thinking, I'll buy him three. Because that will help him. And just the other day, he called me, and we were talking. And he has fed me over the phone. So many times as a pastor, when I was low, I call him up and I talk to him. He's like, Pastor, don't ever get discouraged. God's on your side. And he'll, he'll feed me. And he'll say, you know what? I've worn out two pairs and I've got one pair left. <laughs> I said, come on back. You can preach and we'll go back to Eddie Bauer. We'll get you some more. I'm telling you, when God waters your crops, the devil cannot stop the harvest. He cannot stop the harvest in your family or what's going on in your life. How does that apply to Philippians chapter 2? I'll tell you how it applies. Because Paul wasn't there just to start a church. He had Asia on his mind. He wanted to go to Asia, but the door wouldn't open. And so he's praying. He, he's, going, he's on his second missionary journey when he starts the church at Philippi. And you know how he starts the church? He goes down to the river where they like to pray on on Sabbath. And he's praying, and this woman with a spirit of divination, which divination in the original language in the Greek means pythos or python. Anybody know what a python does? Yeah, it squeezes. So it doesn't bite ferociously. It wraps itself around its victim, and every time the victim breathes in, it tightens down to where the person eventually, or the the victim, whatever animal it is, eventually it basically strangles the life out of the animal. That's what this this spirit that was on this woman was, a spirit of divination. And divination is just a, a foretelling. It's ability to, it's a desire to reach into the spirit and tell the future, okay? So she had a spirit of divination and she was a slave and her masters made a lot of money on her divinations, her her fortune telling, basically. But this spirit was in her, and it bothered Paul. It, she followed him around and said, these are the men of God. Why would the spirit from the enemy tell the world that these are men from God? I don't know. But 
He finally got sick of it, and he said, come out of her, and God delivered her of that spirit. And because of the deliverance, they did not like it too much because she was making them a whole lot of money. And so they put Paul and Silas in jail. You guys know the story? It's the original jailhouse rock. They got all together in the jail. There's other prisoners, and Paul looks over at Silas and says, I think we ought to worship. They have had their backs laid open. They have been beaten, and now they're in a prison, and this is the first example of where Paul and Silas go, I think we can praise our way out of here. And they begin to praise, and God says, I like it, and he sends angels, and he shakes that house. And the doors fly open, not only for Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners. Isn't it interesting how sometimes you can set somebody free praying for them, but then you end up being taking, taking, uh, you end up having trials and struggles in your own life. Even though you're praying freedom on others, you seem to have struggles in your own life. But God has a purpose for it. Amen? And so all the prisoners are free. Anybody know a prisoner that would hang around when the doors stay open? When the doors fly open, would you hang out if you're a prisoner? I'd be beating streets to make sure I didn't get put back in there. And there was a man from Macedonia. Obviously, when Paul was at Troas, he had a dream, a vision from God that there was a man in a Macedonian garment saying, come here and help us. Come here and help us. And when he saw the Macedonian man, he knew that it was him. It was the prison guard. And the prison guard looks and sees all the doors are open and the prisoners seem to be gone. And he pulls out his sword because he's responsible. It's his life because he lost all the prisoners and he was going to take his own life and Paul said don't do yourself any harm we're all here I think they hung around for another service they're like if you praise and the place shakes I think I'm going to hang out see what happens next he says we're all here And he ends up winning the Macedonian man to the Lord that night and his whole family off of a trial that came from a rescue, amen? He rescued a little girl from demon possession and ended up saving a man and his whole family. And that night, that man who may have very well been the guard that put the stripes on his back was anointing him with oil and wine to heal him. God used it, and here's Paul starting a church in Philippi with a woman named Lydia who likes to sell garments or cloth with a recovering demon-possessed girl and one Macedonian family. How's that for a launch team, Nate? (laughs) Let's launch a church with those folks. This is what God can do. He can build an entire church in Philippi and support Paul's future missions off of one rescue of a little demon-possessed girl. What can God do? What can God, I'm trying to wrap it down. What can God do over one soul he rescues in this place if we just leave the doors open? The Bible says that Lydia, God opened Lydia's heart to Paul's preaching and teaching at the riverside. What can we do if we pray, God, rescue somebody. God, open somebody's heart to the things that you want to do in our life. Lazarus was rescued by God. He was dead. What do you have to complain about? He was dead. And God spoke to a dead man. Get up and come forth. God healed the centurion's servant. God helped Hezekiah, Samuel, Joshua, Peter, Paul, Zacchaeus, the paralyzed man. He forgave him his sins and then healed him when his friends brought him to him. The widow of of Nain's son, Jairus' daughter, Jesus, was the promise that came down their dusty road that day. 
and he rescued them. Amen? And so when we get back to Philippians 2, 1, 15, you got an impoverished church that starts to give God their best, and God waters them, not with the water from Egypt, but with the water from heaven and makes them fruitful and multiplies their finances so they can create other churches through Paul's ministry. This is what God does. Amen? You are not on your own, for you've been bought with a price, brothers and sisters. So how does he do that? He does that through us surrendering to him. If you have your Bibles in that spot, I'm going to give you this really fast. Philippians tells us, how do we do this? How do we become like-minded people with Jesus Christ? How do we put on the mind of Christ? Number one, we're obedient as unto death like Jesus was. You all carry your own crosses. Hear me today. I'm finishing. You all carry your own crosses. You know what your cross is. You know what you carry in life, whether it's anxiety, whether it's trouble in your family, whether it's difficulty in your life, whether you can't stay focused long enough to keep a good job for a long period of time, whatever it is that you're struggling with, that is your cross to bear. I want you to know that in order for you to be blessed by God and him water your life, you have to be obedient unto death. You have to carry your cross and still put a smile on your face and worship God, even when it's good and even when it's bad. Do you hear me what I'm saying? If you give me that text again, brothers, Brother Nate, I appreciate it. I'm just going to call you Team Nate back there from now on. You shall be dubbed Nate. I, want, I just want my text again. That's all I need as I close. I'll find it. You know it's not good when a preacher goes looking for the text. You're supposed to be able to find it. Here it is, verse 8. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He made himself of no reputation. Where are you trying to make yourself a reputation where you shouldn't be? Make yourself of no reputation. Go to work, do the work, be on time, do your best, and don't try to put your name on everything. Let God water your life. Amen, somebody? Make yourself of no reputation. I don't even like titles, but I have to live with some of the titles that I have. But I'm telling you, make yourself low and God will raise you up. That's number one. Be faithful even to the crosses of your life. Be faithful to carry them and God will give you a resurrection through you being obedient to the crosses you have to carry and God will give you healing in those areas. That's number one, and part two that helps us with number one is verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, be obedient even unto death. Carry your crosses together. Help one another carry burdens. And the way that you do that is understand that it's God that's working in us both to will and to do his good pleasure through those things. And then number two, do all things without murmuring or disputings. That means complaining. Everybody say complaining. Let's take complaining out of the church. 
That means to whisper under your breath, murmur, to say things under your breath. Well, I wish they would. Man, I hate these lights. I can't even believe they got all this stuff. I just, this bothers me so much. Please don't read Revelation 22 because when you get to heaven, there's going to be jasper and onyx and colors of every kind and rainbows coming from the throne. So if these lights bother you, please don't go to heaven. Okay, I handled that. Did I do okay, Nate? All right. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Help one another. Don't be like, oh, man, I got to use all my gas to get over to sister's house to help them out. Move that one piece of furniture. I have a truck. No, I'm not moving you. Without murmuring that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine. This is how you shine. One, obedient to carry your crosses. Two, because God's working in us. Three, because we know he's working in us, I'm not going to complain about it. And four, holding forth the word of God or the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain. He's saying, you have held forth the word of God in Philippi. I'm wrapping up. He said, you've held forth the word. You have walked with God, even though some of you have had very big crosses to carry. You have been faithful to God. You have been willing to do it because you know God's working in you. And you also have done it without complaining and murmuring. And I want to say that I am very thankful, Paul says, that you have done this in the church in Philippi because it is telling me that my labor is not in vain by planting the church there. Amen, somebody? I hope this resonates with you because I want you to know that your next chapter, you can trust your next chapter in life because you know the author, amen? Would you stand with me together? He has promised blessing in our lives. So how do we live in the promised land? If God's going to water our land and he calls it a promised land, what's our promised land? Our promised land is the power of the Holy Ghost in us, amen? The grace that we walk in, the New Testament church. We walk in the grace of God in Acts chapter 2. It tells us, Acts chapter 1, it tells us that promise. He says, I'm going to give you a promise and I'm going to fulfill it. He said, in Acts chapter 1, he said, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. There it is. Our promised land is walking in the Spirit. Our place of blessing is walking in the Spirit. Which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days. Hence, how many have been baptized in the Holy Ghost? And so he's telling them all this, and he's saying, this is the promised land you're going to live in. And then Peter gets up, and he gives a rescue message. He says to all these people gathered in Jerusalem, because they were in the upper room, and they spilled out of the room. They were speaking in tongues. The power of God fell. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, verse chapter 2, they were all in one accord. See, there's the Honda again. I'm telling you, I got one blessed vehicle out there. 
in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. I pray God does that here, that while we're sitting, God fills this house with a wind that changes and rescues people. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation, and Peter began to preach to them. And they said, men and brethren, what what are we supposed to do? We killed Jesus, the Lord and Christ. And here's the rescue message. He says in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were repentant. They were like, what, what are we supposed to do? And said Peter to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter gave the rescue message. He said, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. Somebody said amen for that. And to all that are far off. That is where we live in the blessing is experiencing the power of the Holy Ghost. That blessing is what we pray in this place today. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I don't know if there's someone in this room that needs you right now, someone who's never truly surrendered their life to you, but I pray that you would do a blessing that just as Peter rose up and preached to those people in Jerusalem, that you would give somebody strength right now to make a decision, to give the King of glory all of their life. And I pray in the name of Jesus that someone would experience you today and be filled with your presence and power. Okay, here's what we're going to do. All over the room, someone's going to ask you, standing right next to you, someone's going to ask you a very important question in just a minute. It's probably the most important question you'll ever be asked. And I want, I want this to be something that you think about. If you felt the Lord tugging on your heart today, if you felt like God is speaking to you in any way, shape, or form to call you closer to him, the person next to you is going to ask you in just a minute, would you like to go to the altar and pray? And I want you to ask somebody next to you, would you like to go and pray? And I want you to take them. We don't want anybody coming down here and praying. We're going to do an altar call, but we don't want you to feel embarrassed in any way. We don't want you to feel out of place in any way. We want you to feel welcome because that's what's going to happen here is rescued hearts are going to be saved in this place. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn to somebody right now and ask them, do you need to go pray? I want you to do that. Turn to somebody next to you. Would you like to go pray? Can I take you to the altar? Can we go pray together? And if that's somebody near you, if someone said yes, why don't you come down here right now and the team is going to begin to sing a song that we can worship to. But I want you to come. I want you to bring somebody with you. And I want you to begin to pray and give your heart to the Lord and ask God, Lord, water my life. Lord, be my blessing. If you need rescue in any way right now, I ask you to come. Come on, they're coming from every place. Let, bring somebody with you. If you have someone near you that said yes, take them by the hand and bring them with you. We need to pray right now in this place. Everyone else praying together. Everyone else praying together. Jesus, whatever rescue is needed right now, I pray that you reach out and you touch and you deliver. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, be the King of glory. lift your hands all over this room. If you don't need a rescue in your life right now, I want you just to raise your hands toward these people and touch, pray that God touches them right now. 
pray that God touches them right now. Just wanna be. 